0: Welcome to the Monkey Business Show. From cash flow to crypto, all the things you need to know to invest in the market. My name is Aaron Hodges, joined by Eric Salzman today. How are you, Eric? Hey, Aaron. I'm good. Richie, we received a ransom note earlier this morning. Someone put their life savings on highly motivated to win the Kentucky Derby after hearing Richie's picks, and uh, we're worried for him.
1: Yeah, we haven't heard from him since, uh, since Sunday, since early Sunday morning.
0: Yeah, so we're hoping he'll be all right, and we're going to do everything we can to get him back on the Monkey Business Show, but um, highly motivated, did not come through on the Kentucky yeah. Derby.
1: I think what's going to happen is Richie's going to have to trade his way out of the kidnapper's losses, so he's going to have to make that guy some money in the stock market, uh-huh. in stock picks, to try to... Uh, so Richie's probably furiously day trading to uh, to raise the ransom amount. Because <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not paying it.
0: Yeah, I think he could probably talk his way out of a, out of a ransom situation.
1: Yeah, he could talk his way out of anything. With that being said, so let's, let's review. So it's been an exciting, exciting week in the markets. It always seems to be exciting. I just want to go over some of our picks. There's definitely been a rotation trade in stocks the last week or so. And one of the calls that we, had, uh, we made two weeks ago was uh, we actually bought the ETF QQQS which is basically a bet against the NASDAQ three times leverage. That's up, up, I mean, the, the NASDAQ has been down and, and the, that's up 9% since we put that on. Also, there's definitely been a, a rotation trade where you're continuing to see kind of, you know, the, the darlings uh, that went up so much of so big tech and a lot of the disruptors, you know, that we talk about that Kathy Woods ETF, ARK, and the, the ticker there is R- ARKK, ARKK. That thing's down on the week eleven percent. Who's in charge over there? Me. <laughs> that's uh, th- that's Kathy Woods who was very close with um, with Archigos Archegos? We can call it whatever we want now because it's gone.
0: I like Archigo. Um,
1: yeah, we like Manchego. We like that <laughs> theme, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we'll call it Manchego <laughs> from now on. But <laughs> Kathy Woods, who was, you know that 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 ETF was just you know exploded last year. But it's down eleven percent uh, just from last week. So, a lot and and a lot of those stocks, you got to remember, not a lot, but the nine stocks that Bill Wang blew up the world with, seven of them are in that index. Um, You got some of the big Chinese tech companies, you got some of the uh, Shopify, Lending Club, Zoom. They're all getting killed right now. So, that's down, which also a lot of those stocks are in the NASDAQ, which takes the NASDAQ down. And uh, what's interesting is that now I had pulled some chips off the table, but obviously not all of them. And uh, banks continue to do really well. So that rotation trade, if you just want to look starkly at it, there's a bank index that you can buy an ETF on, KBWB, KBWB. And that's up 3.5% just from last week. So you see that the trend there is Kathy Wood's down 11%, banks up 3.5%. Banks are trying to, you know, the value stocks, the, 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 old, the old man stocks that pay dividends. And um, the banks continue to do really well. And then also, I know we've been talking a lot about uh, inflation. that battle rages on as you know the Fed has come out and said that uh, they're not worried about inflation. everyone it's else seems China. to be though <laughs> That's the thing. and kind of a blockbuster thing that moved the markets um, earlier in the week was Janet Yellen, the former she's the former uh, chairwoman of the Federal Reserve and now she's the uh, she's our treasury secretary under uh, President Biden and she came out and made some comments about inflation maybe picking up maybe rates are gonna go up and because she's the ex-fed chairwoman people kind of almost took that as a um hey you know is she looking over Jay Powell's shoulder being the old one now you know is she looking over his shoulder and maybe thinking that he should that the, the fed should be moving rates yeah she knows so, a little something yeah <laughs> I mean it's not like you know it's not like in the old days or like a year ago with Donald Trump screaming at you know Jay Powell it's like okay she's she knows her stuff. She's the, you know, she's the former chairman. She's the guy that uh, that she's the she's the woman that he replaced back in 2018.
0: It's just funny that you refer to the old days as a year ago. It does, <laughs> you know, the way the time goes now, it's like all at once going forward, but going back a year does feel like 10 years.
1: Yeah, this was a it's a long one. So That kind of moved the markets, and she had to come running out and make an announcement, kind of clarify her comments to say that she wasn't saying that the Fed needs to raise rates. But yeah, I mean, everybody—we got some big investors. We got um, David Einhorn from Greenlight. You got uh, Jeff Gunlock from DoubleLine. They're smart; they know what they're doing, and a lot of people follow them. And those guys are really kind of putting on the inflation warning banner. And um, also, so just for for stuff that's happening, and we talked about kind of the supply line and how, you know, there's bottlenecks. And, Adam Aaron, you talked about uh, your your scooter that you're trying to buy um, <laughs> and uh, that, that the scooter got rerouted out of the Suez Canal and had to go around, the you know, the, the Cape in uh, lower South Africa, I guess, to get your scooter to you.
0: We'll uh, see, man. I might have to come through a magic flying carpet. I don't know.
1: <laughs> but the last week, as we spoke, remember, we, we talked about like certain inputs like for housing, lumber. Lumber continues to make new highs every day. We look at the um, the future that uh, that that lumber that, that represents lumber, and that uh, continues. To, it's made basically a new high every day since we spoke. Copper, people like to look at copper. Remember, we talked about an ETF uh, for copper. Um, if you look at the futures, copper is now at an all time high, the highest it has ever been, and that's a good. That's a metal that people definitely look at to see what's going on with regards to uh, to, to manufacturing.
0: It's time and, to uh, pull that, the pipes yeah. out of my house. I think.
1: Yeah, <laughs> those metals skyrocketed in two thousand eight for different reasons. But yeah, that was remember people were going into the abandoned houses and they're ripping out all the copper. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that uh, you know, so so that that continues to be. The bond market is kind of, you know, because remember, if inflation, if it looks like inflation is picking up and maybe gets out of control and we're back to the 70s, bonds are going to get hit hard. And that, man, rates are extremely low. Rates right now, like the 10 year Treasury is trading at, you know, 1.57% on that yield. That's still historically extremely low. And that rate gets into double digits if you go back to the 70s or even the late 60s and you look at the last time we really had inflation in this country. And that'll be a mess. Like everything since COVID, bonds and stocks have both rallied tremendously um, since the, the Fed had to come in and kind of save the world in um, in March 2020. What happens is, and it shouldn't happen, it's not supposed to happen, that bonds and stocks, treasuries and stocks are not supposed to rally at the same time. One kind of offsets the other. That's why, you know, we've talked about the old 60-40, where 60% stocks, 40% bonds right. um, kind of play off each other. Well, they've all been going up and they've all been going up at the same time. Granted, bonds have sold off of it, but still prices are extremely high. Yields are extremely low. If we get inflation, real inflation, the Fed has misjudged this, then they're both going to get killed at the same time. That's kind of, you know, what the what the market is looking at. And and it, there's, there's a lot of nervousness out there. So. We'll see what happens. Um, I, I'm kind of in the Fed's camp. I think that this is transitory. I think that a lot of these price spikes are really due to the fact that there's just, you know, people misjudged what was going to happen. They misjudged the fact that we were going to come back this fast. So a lot of things that the economies of the world need to grow just aren't there right now. Like one thing that's really got people on edge and got the, has the auto industry on edge is that uh, the semiconductor chip shortage continues to just go unabated. And new auto production is down tremendously. This is almost like, you know, selling the house. You know, you buy, you, you buy a house like a, a, I, I sold my house, and which is great because everybody came to buy it and they, they they drove prices up tremendously. But then you got to go buy a house usually, right? If you yeah, sell right. out, well, the same thing with a car now. Now, the one good thing is that used cars are going way up, right? Because there's not enough production in the new cars, used cars, you know, pre-owns, those are going through the roof.
0: So the chip um, shortage is affecting even just manufacturing new cars.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so much of the so much of the, the the cars' technology it's computerized. It's all you know that you have these boards in the in the car, and and so much of the car runs on that. And if you don't have these chips, you can't produce as many cars, certainly as they wanted to produce. So the automakers have been taken. They've been putting out earnings warnings. They had a good year, but going forward, they're putting out earnings warnings that. We don't have enough chips. We're not going to be able to sell enough new cars, produce new cars, and sell them. So they're really talking their earnings down. And the chip thing is just reverberating throughout the economy as you know, the autos aren't the only thing that use chips by, by far. But what's happening now is so the, in the used car market, the used car market has just exploded higher because there's not enough cars. Interesting. And, and also, if you remember, Hertz, like the, if, you go get a, if you try to get a rental car now, it's tough and the prices are out of control. Because what happened is, yeah, because a lot of like, especially think about Hertz, they declared bankruptcy, and they had to show a plan to come out of bankruptcy. Well, one way that they raised money was they dumped a decent amount of their car fleet, they've got a tremendous fleet of cars, and they, they dumped them on the market in 2020. Well, now that they're coming back, they need cars. And they can't get, <laughs> you know, those guys who generally buy new cars. Well, now they got to buy. They, so if they could have uh, just
0: held on for another year.
1: <laughs> yeah. So if you can, don't buy a new car this year. But if you got a used car, that's the thing, right? Is You, you want to sell your used car, but how do you buy another car? You, you can't. So it's kind of a catch-22. It's tricky. And, um, yeah.
0: So let me ask you to put your, your crystal ball on here in terms yeah. of inflation. Let's say inflation does get. Pretty bad. We're close to 1970s levels. What does that mean for stocks and cryptocurrency? Because I think, like, do people take their money out of stocks and do they become even more bullish on cryptocurrency?
1: Well, the stocks we could definitely look at because we don't have any history on crypto going through this. But stocks, I think we pointed this out a couple of shows ago. If you look at where, like, the S&P was or the Dow Jones was in... 1967 is really when inflation started picking up and it lasted straight through the 70s until 1979. The S&P or the Dow was basically flat. It was in a bear market for a very long time. And it took uh, from the highs in 67 to, I think it was 1983, it took that long to kind of get back to where it was and then pass where it was in the late 60s. So Stocks stocks are like anything else. Right now, There's the whole speculative, they call it animal spirits, people that buy in stocks can't get enough of them. But at the end of the day, you have to look at earnings and you have to project out earnings. Then you got to say, well, I'm getting those earnings in the future. So I got to discount them back to today. When inflation picks up, interest rates go very much higher because interest rates have to go up to protect bondholders for the amount of inflation they're predicting out in the future. The future value of money is less. And that's, that, that's, that's what's called discounting cash flows. Stocks are still, at the end of the day, they're still cash flows and earnings are cash flows. And, and if you are starting to discount those back at a higher rate, the value of the stock goes down. That's gravity, if you will. Like we could suspend gravity only so long, which is what, you know, by people, that's why they call it a bubble, what's going on in, in, in stocks. Eventually, you have to, you know, the, the law of nature takes over and inflation means higher rates and it also really makes the future hard to predict. And that's a, that's a key thing. Let's face it, we have not had inflation, real inflation in our economies since the late 1970s, early 1980s. So most investors have never seen it before. They don't know how to react to it. So yeah, inflation would be a very bad thing for financial assets, certainly stocks and bonds. Richie and I have been buying gold. Gold actually just now went through 1,800 an ounce for the first time in, in at least three or four months. So we're doing nicely. Uh, I think Richie's got GLD. That's his ETF. I've got GLDM. Same thing, just different sponsors. Those are doing really well. But here's why I i, I think that the worry about inflation is a little over the top. Mm-hmm. And Powell said this um, when he was on 60 Minutes. If you remember early, I think late March, he was on 60 Minutes. And one thing he said, that the key to inflation still, still is labor. Labor still is the biggest input into producing things. At the end of the day, you take lumber, you could take all that, and it's very important, but labor is still the the most important input, wage inflation. And what Powell said is that since when Reagan came in and the combination of the Fed and the republicans really in the in the in the early 80s then followed by the democrats with their NA, with nafta and all the things that bill clinton did for free trade and globalization well that a lot in a lot of ways was a fancy name of busting unions breaking unions in this country which were very strong going into you know certainly in the 60s and the 70s unions were, had a lot of influence well when unions have a lot of influence they can push for hey we need higher wages we need higher wages because the price of everything's going up and that becomes a cycle where they go for higher wages, they get higher wages. Well, that's a big input. You know, wage inflation has to be passed on to consumers, right? So the price of everything starts going up and then workers come back. And as long as they have the power, if they're in unions, they're able to say, you got to pass more, we're going on strike. And you see what's happening. It just keeps, it plays on itself. They get a pay rise that pushes the price of everything you want to buy up. And then they say, hey, we need more. Say what you want about unions, positive or negative. That's just the, the fact of it. So when they busted the unions and they sent so many jobs overseas to basically work for you know what we would call here, slave wages, right. no regulation, that was great for financial assets. And that stamped out inflation and financial assets, except gold. and pay, But financial assets, let's say stick with the stocks and bonds, they love that. So, if you hold if you held stocks and bonds all that time, you did great. And the Fed was always looking out for you. And every time inflation looked like it was coming up, they'd smack it back down. Remember we talked about last week taking the punch bowl away before the party gets started. Sure. Well, that hurts that hurts the let's say eighty percent of Americans who don't own stocks and they don't own bonds, but they got a job. And if they don't have the power, and the really only way they're going to have power is if they're back in the union again. And if they're not, and they have to always deal with the threat of we're going to take your job away and send it to Mexico or send it to Southeast Asia, they can't do anything. So that's the big battle, right? That That's like the class warfare. It
0: definitely seems like power has shifted a little bit to the working force, and you know they have an opportunity to kind of fight for their rights, if you will, right here, right now. Because, I mean, the whole world has changed, and mm-hmm. businesses want to open, but people don't want to work right now for low wages.
1: Right. Yeah. And, you know, that's the um, that's the key. Monetary policy has really it's between monetary policy and just this globalization has really hurt workers. And, you know, that is why I'm not a Donald Trump fan, but people keep looking for a reason. Right. And I'm not getting political here. I'm just telling you what I think about this phenomenon is that American workers got thrown over the side, right? They, they, the Democrats used to be able, the Democrats used to represent them and the unions almost to a T, except maybe the Teamsters, they were backed, they backed the Democrats and the Democrats took care of them, made sure that their, their interests were, were, were re- well represented in Congress and in the White House. But when Clinton came in, you know, he was a Democrat, but... He was full-scale globalization, move shit overseas, NAFTA, all the different free trade agreements, and that that was carried on and kept on by by even after he had Bush come in, and he kept the, the foot on the pedal for that. Obama kept it. Well, eventually, who's representing the American worker? Who's representing this this segment? The what they, the white working class. Remember that was the big the big thing you know with Trump, the, the white working class, and the, well, the Democrats took them for granted. And you know what? Donald Trump was the first one that paid attention to them. That was actually in the White House paying attention to them. You may think that some of his policies were misguided. I think he, you know, going after China was the right thing. The way he went about it, I think wasn't necessarily the right way. I think you need, you need allies. If you're going to go, if you're going to go to a trade war with China, you got to have Europe with you, you got to have Canada with you to kind of make it work. And if you're fighting everybody at the same time as the Donald did, then it's gonna cause more harm than good. But he was on the right path. And the right path, the thing that he tapped into is that so many Americans just were tossed over the side during this entire thing from from when inflation was stamped out to the present day. And that's why you see towns that are gone, cities that are gone, plants that have been shut for the last 15 years, 20 years, because these jobs got sent overseas. And nobody really gave a shit what happened to the people once the jobs went overseas. It was always this, "Oh, we're going to go the service economy. Like we're going to retrain everyone. Everyone's going to become a computer programmer." Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was it. It was all words. It was words and you know little little programs and shit that never meant anything and nobody was interested in. And now you know, now the price is being paid. And the question is, do we come back and do? Uh, because if we do come back and we do bring jobs back, then you got to remember that that is going to. That is going to cost more money, right? And that is going to be one of the reasons why stocks have done so well, why corporate America has done so well over the last 30 years, is that they have incredible margins because they were able to shift a lot of their production to much cheaper areas around the world, and that, that increased corporate profits. And if you're living on your corporate your profits for the next quarter or the next year, that's what a corporation is going to do. And without anybody stopping and checking that, this is what happens. So the question is, if we're going to start caring about 80% of the, of the workforce in this country, well, guess what? Prices are going to go up. People are going to get paid more. You're not going to be shipping those, those, that that next factory over to Vietnam. It's going to be here somewhere in the U S. And now granted technology is increasing dramatically and, 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 and making production a lot more efficient. So Maybe they can add, you know, add more American workers, higher labor costs, but maybe technology makes them more productive. It's all it, it's all stuff that we should have dealt with thirty years ago or twenty years ago or ten years ago. Well, I think we're gonna deal with it now.
0: Yeah. Uh I think I read that jobless claims fell a little bit last week. The Dow hit an all time high. And so did Doge and Ethereum.
1: Doge. <laughs> I you know, I can't call it dog coin anymore because it's I mean it is Doge, uh, right? Yeah, it's okay. Doge. All right. It's Doge. Hey, this is interesting. Let's talk about Tesla. Yes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> about Tesla because e- Elon, I- I'm still waiting for somebody to come down. It's like, Elon's got to know that that's a bubble. Like, I mean, nobody could tell me that, Do- that Doge is in a bubble, right? I mean, that, that's just, it started out as a joke, right? Well, if Elon's the guy tweeting and telling everybody to get into it, eventually that's going to pop, right? So when that thing pops... There's a lot of people out there that are going to be pretty mad at Elon Musk. Maybe yeah. they'll be mad at that Tesla company, especially when you know all the other automakers start making as good of cars or better electric cars, you know, better or as good as Elon. I mean, it's you not just
0: what? it's not just him that's pushing it, and I mean, like Mark Cuban is involved with it. I know that they're accepting some kind of payments for the Dallas Mavericks through Dogecoin. So I mean, there's there's some some big I mean, guys.
1: This is like pre. 1929 crash, like bubble speculation, like this is the kind of shit that the SEC is supposed to slam the, the door down and say. And as we know, all the stuff we've talked about on the show, the SEC has been doing nothing. Right now, let's talk about Tesla for a second. So, I don't think many people knew this, which is kind of frightening. So, an announcement comes out. was it, I, When did I send that to you guys? Was it yes? I think it was yesterday, right? Yesterday. Yesterday yeah. with Tesla. So this company. Is called Stellantis, and Stellantis is a uh, NV, so it must be uh, it must be incorporated in in Holland. I think that's who NV is. So those guys own Chrysler, Fiat. So for the European operations, what they've been doing is they buy carbon CO two credits from people who have. So you, you get these credits. And that's supposed to, yeah. this is like CO2 emissions, things like that. And you get these CO2 emission credits. From who? Well. The government? Yeah, it has to be, right? It has to be. That's a, that's a good question.
0: Hard to believe it, that they're transferable.
1: <laughs> they are. And Tesla has been selling their credits to, among people, still on this, And they've been selling them to the tune of hundreds of millions of euros A quarter. So, what came out when Stellantis said, hey, you know what? We don't need to be buying these anymore from guys like Tesla. Someone did an analysis. Someone should have done this analysis a year ago, but they didn't. They showed that without these credits, the credits that they're getting are more, more than the net income that Tesla's been reporting. Remember, they said, hey, this is great. Tesla's finally making money. They made money this many consecutive quarters. That's how they got into the SP. Well, Without these credit sales to Stellantis and other others, especially in Europe, as to do with the European Commission. Um, as far as CO two emissions, they wouldn't have made any money. They'd be, they they still would have had net. They would not have had net income. They still would have been operating at a net loss. Now, if you take that and you take to the Bitcoin profits, remember they made about when they released their earnings, they, said they made about one hundred and ten million dollars in, in their Bitcoin uh, holdings that they sold, of and course. then they bought yep. more. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. Those earnings the the carbon stuff, the 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 selling the selling the credits is gone, right? That's that's not happening anymore. Certainly not next quarter, the quarter after that, or the quarter after that. So that's gone. What if Bitcoin goes down to 40? And so you kind of think about your question about what happens to Bitcoin. Well, you know, you can have a pretty big seller of Bitcoin, and that could be that could be Elon and Tesla. But Just to look at, you know, we talk about bubbles and gravity, and eventually things have to basically reflect real stuff. Well, real stuff is no more credit sales, and Bitcoin maybe not going past sixty thousand, maybe going down at you know fifty or forty five, and that company is going to be reporting losses. And if that happens, that's that's a company that's up a thousand percent. So that's a big bubble. That if that thing if that thing starts going down, it's going to be it's going to be a problem and it really should go down.
0: Strong words here. Are we predicting the downfall of Elon Musk if he doesn't get his act together?
1: He's got too much to really downfall.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Right.
1: But uh, look, all we could say is that I'm just surprised that no one, I mean, I'm not ai mean, we we know stocks, we know the financial markets very well, but we're not, I'm, I'm not a Tesla analyst. And when I saw that, I'm like, how the, how the hell did this not come out earlier that this is how they're making that without those credits and someone look at it and say, hey, well, take those credits away. And these guys are operating in a net loss. And guess what? The credits are getting taken away or have a high, let's say a year ago, they have a high probability of being taken away. I don't think you see Tesla in the six hundreds or seven hundreds like, like you see it now. Mm. So that could be, that could definitely be a problem. And yeah, that's one of the reasons why Kathy Woods arc is down because she owns a lot of Tesla, Tesla down, arc down, arc down, ARK down a lot of uh, a lot of our new investors are going to lose money.
0: Talk to me a little bit about this topic you teased with one simple sentence. It has to do with New Jersey and a deli, so I'm all in.
1: Right. So remember we talked about SPACs, right? Yes. Special purpose acquisition companies. Uh, and we have a lot of problems with SPACs in and of themselves, right? Because a SPAC is it's basically a shell company that investors buy into like for $10 a share. And it could be, it could be anything from big investors like Bill Ackman from purging square that, that really, you know what those guys are going to buy. And you want to basically get in, you want to give money to Bill Ackman to go buy. Cause what they do, the SPAC will go out. They'll do an initial public offering, which is a lot easier on a shell company. Cause there's not a hell of a lot of disclosures. These guys have basically about two years to go and basically merge or acquire Private companies and bring them public,
0: and it could be, it could be anybody.
1: Really, yeah, anybody. I mean, you, and, and as we saw, all of a sudden, you know, A Rod and J Lo are coming out with a spat with a SPAC. I mean, Shaq, you know, Shaquille O'Neal came out with a SPAC. It was nuts.
0: Not to diverge too much here, we'll get back to the Spac Deli. But what split affected the market more, <laughs> J Lo and A Rod, or Bill and Melinda Gates?
1: I'm going to say um, I'm going to say Bill and Melinda. I was worried because I I do I try to buy like ten shares of Microsoft a month. That's what I just try to do, and and uh, I was happy because they knocked the sh- they knocked the price. So when when Bill and Melinda Gates announced that they were um, what are the uh, the marriage, I, I, it was like like I think Bill Foot sent the first tweet out and it was like, "We are we are ending our marriage," which is like you know we're turning off a light switch, running the man. You know, was, apparently Bill, <laughs> he, I don't know if he knew this, but he he plans his his day out in five minute increments. Wow. He, When he starts something, it has to end in five minutes. So that's his, you know. So anyway, yeah, Bill and Melinda um, are breaking up. There's about $130 billion of uh, of assets that I guess they're going to be purchasing Um, or, I'm sorry, splitting. But also, so Mike, I thought Microsoft was going to go down just because, you know, like remember when, when, um, when Bezos and Amazon, he, he, uh, when he split up with his wife, when he got caught cheating, um, you know, everyone was worried that, Hey, you know, his wife's going to, his wife's going to get X amount and she's going to be, and she's going to sell the stock. Uh, so Amazon got hit um, with Bezos's uh, divorce. And now uh, Microsoft got hit pretty good off of the Bill Gates, uh, Melinda Gates um, uh, divorce or announcement. But uh, it was funny. Like I looked at that and I'm like, Do they really have to go through. This? I mean, if they just want to end their marriage, right. Say hey, it's not working out anymore. I mean, Forget about it. I don't know how many houses they have, but they have in, in Seattle, and uh, that's Washington. They've got a 35,000 square foot house. Like they couldn't both figure out a, a way to live <laughs> in the same place. I'll take to, the <laughs>
0: East wing. You take the West wing.
1: Right. Yeah. So we're going to be like, all right, this, this, has gotta be, somebody cheated. There's gotta be, there's gotta be some stuff. And sure enough. Well, apparently he didn't cheat because this is one of the agreements when they got married was bill had this, uh, this flame, I figured to and something or other, and uh I think she's a venture capitalist, and they were like boyfriend girlfriend from the eighties into the nineties, mm. and Bill wasn't ready to get married, so they didn't they didn't do it. I have a hard time thinking anything is not platonic with Bill Gates; I just can't I, yeah I can't he, look, he just
0: looks like he probably doesn't have genitals
1: <laughs> so anyway, when he married Melinda, and apparently he got the it was all, he got the okay from Ann to marry Melinda. And one of the things was that Bill gets a, he Bill gets a hall pass once a year. He goes somewhere. I don't know where, I think it's on the East coast. He goes somewhere where they have a, they have this. he and Ann have this cottage and they hang for, I think they hang for a week. Like, they, they said they ride dune buggies. They uh, go. Uh, and I, I can't see Bill Gates hang gliding either. I, I can't see do much of anything but making money and sitting behind a computer. Yeah. So
0: I, anyway. Who knew? I, who knew he was such a playboy?
1: I don't know, but I, I'm trying to flush the whole thing of him having sex out of my <laughs> mind. And I, All right. I let's go
0: back to the SPAC deli then. Let's go to the New Jersey <laughs> right, SPAC, SPAC deli.
1: So this is, this is crazy. So late last week, um, it came out that there was this deli in New Jer- in Southern New Jersey, uh, a sandwich shop that was a public company, and they became a public company. That, and the name of the company is called Hometown International, and the, t- the stock ticker is HWIN—Harry, Willie, Indigo, Nancy, HWIN. As by 2015, these guys, um, the, the owner who is, uh, he owns the sandwich shop, and he's also the, he's the wrestling coach at the high school down the street in South Jersey. And the sandwich shop, which I think makes about, makes revenues about $20,000 a year, somehow went public. Now they don't trade on the NASDAQ. They, they basically trade on what's called the pink sheets, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it's by appointment only. You buy and sell the stuff. All right, whatever, who cares, right? So all of a sudden, uh the price of this stock starts going up and it went up to the point where it was a, it, it was worth on paper paper a hundred million dollars over a hundred million dollars and the real the where it really got funny was that it turned out so this 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 um deli was kind of what they were calling a mini SPAC. and The idea was that it's all, it's all fraud. Like you're going to see it's all just, you know, it's all just a a mess. But what came out is that the endowments for Duke university and Vanderbilt university actually own shares in this tiny little deli. Now the company raised on paper, but they did get, so they they did issue new stocks. They got a couple of million dollars in. And I think it's basically that's Duke and Vanderbilt's money. And they they are buying like they they fixed up they fixed the carpeting they fixed some pipes i think they put a new oven in the in the kitchen nice hey. other than, other, than, other than that they've got this this pool of money i know it's it sounds nuts right so start digging into this everyone started digging into this and and david einhorn from greenlight put them in in his his quarterly newsletter and said like this is You know, the pastrami must be tremendous because, you know, these guys, a sandwich shop in South Jersey, not even a good sandwich shop. Now, the sandwiches might be good, but they don't make any money.
0: Can't get this mozzarella anywhere.
1: (laughs) This company is supposed to be worth $100 million. A deli. A deli. So, and the stock is Hometown International HWIN. So, my buddy Matt Taibbi and I started digging into this because uh, we're we're doing a segment on his um, TK News by Matt Taibbi. Uh, we we've started a new segment that I'm writing with him called um, it's called Con of the Week. So when I first saw this, I'm like, all right, this is good. Like this is the Con of the Week, and like we actually said that he came out with the the different names for the cons, and uh, and one of them was the the Michigan Roll. Now the Mich what the Michigan Roll is is when yeah, I, I want to look rich, so I got a, I got a wad of money. A, a wad, you know, I pull up a, a, doll, a roll of money, yep, and, and I'll put $100 on the outside, or, so it looks like I got a, it's all a wad, wad of 100 on yeah. dollar bills behind it. When yeah, yeah. like, oh, yeah. like, let's look into this, because this looks like it could be good. So we started looking into it, and we're like, how did Duke and Vanderbilt get into this? So there's this company in Hong Kong, and this is a legit investment management company called Maso Capital, M-A-S-O, in Hong Kong. The guys who started this company came from OckZiff, O-C-H-Ziff, Z-I-F-F. OckZiff is a big-ass money management company. They've got like $27 billion under management. The two guys, Oc and Ziff, they, they came from Goldman Sachs. The guys in this company worked for those guys. They're like legit merger and acquisition guys. You know, they, they're, they're finance guys. And they're the ones who said, hey, let's make this a mini SPAC what we're going to do is we're going to take this worthless company. And what we're going to do is when we find when we find the right investment, which could be anything, anything, we're going to swap, we're going to get rid of the, 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 the stock ticker, we're going to not call ourselves a, a hometown uh, internationally, we're going to call ourselves something else, we'll get a new ticker, we're going to put ourselves on the NASDAQ. This is a cheaper, cooler way to launch a SPAC. And, and I know this because Matt talked to these guys. Like the great thing about working with him is he can then David Einhorn will call him up and, and tell him why he thinks this is a, this is a scam. So Emap Matt comes to me and he says, this is what these guys said. They said, look, this is a cheap way to buy a SPAC. We're going to come in. We're going to eventually at some point, we're going to swap out the, you know, swap out the name, swap out the ticker, buy something else, get rid of the deli. Like this thing is worth over a hundred million dollars. And the more we looked into it, we're like, these guys also issued warrants, which is a right to buy, Remember, warrants like call options. Yeah, You'd like yeah. to buy that stock. And right now, the the warrants are worth $1.9 billion. billion, right? Now, you can't sell these. If anybody wanted to sell any of this stuff, it's a house of cards. It would collapse. So this isn't a $100 million deli. This is a $2 billion deli. <laughs> what in the world? Yeah. This is the poster child for what is going on in the markets, is that this actually is happening. Now- it gets better. We were looking at, all right, how did this all get started? Like, who, who, who gave this guy the idea to even like go public in the first place in 2015? So there's a company down in North Carolina. Now, we know Duke is North Carolina, right? So we're right. trying to figure out how the hell did Duke get involved in this? Mm-hmm. So there's a company in North Carolina called Tyron Capital. A fellow by the name of um, Peter Corker Sr. runs that. Peter Corker Sr. in 1992 – was arrested and charged with exposing himself to young girls outside of a high school in Allentown, Pennsylvania, in
0: 1992.
1: Outstanding. And he's also been uh, he's been charged I think, multiple times for, for various financial crimes as well. Okay. So and somehow, he's, he's in North Peter Carolina. Corker, Peter Corker's involved with, with the deli because his son, Peter Corker Jr., I believe his buddies with people, the, the deli owner slash high school wrestling coach slash principal of the high school. He's the guy who kind of got this all started. And when we looked into it, we saw that, all right, they raised a million dollars. What are they doing with the million dollars? They're paying fees to Peter Corker Sr. They're paying consulting fees, like $15,000 a month.
0: He's got to wet his beak.
1: Right, he's got wet his beak. <laughs> so this is the kind of insanity that's going on. Now, as soon as this story came out, the owner of the deli, the kingpin, who owns on paper is worth um, is worth about eighteen million dollars based on the stock that he owns. Paul Marina, Paul Marina owns fifteen hundred shares in a company that right now is priced at eleven dollars and sixty cents. Five shares trade a day, but still, <laughs> this is this is this company. So the CEO the head of the, the guy who runs the deli and also runs, he's a high school wrestling coach and the um, at the principal of the high school down the block. They came out and immediately disavowed their market value because they knew that they were, they'd be in trouble all of a sudden because now the SEC is going to start looking at this. Now why the SEC isn't looking at this in the first place, how these guys were able to list themselves as a public company is getting nuts to begin with. But they came out immediately on Friday and disavowed their market. They said, as far as we know, we're not worth a hundred million dollars. Like we're not worth this warnings galore. They had to put warning, a warning statement out saying like, don't buy the stock or or if you buy the stock, you got to know we're a deli that doesn't make any money. Um, We've got this, you know, basically crazy idea that someday we may be worth that back to Brett. Someday it's possible. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what happened. And then the more we look into it, so it gets back. So it, it keeps going around um, and this, so this Masso Capital in Hong Kong, they got on the phone with Matt, and they told Matt, "Look, this is." They told Matt why it's worth at least a hundred million dollars. Probably it's worth two billion dollars. This is a cheap way to come in, a very cheap way for foreigners to come in and launch a SPAC, buy some company that's public, and then do this. Which SPACs are hard enough in and of itself, right? I mean, at least with a SPAC, you may not know what they're going to do. But there's a time limit, right? There's a certain time limit. They may be 18 months, maybe two years. They got to do something or you get your money back. Yeah. With a SPAC, if you don't like what they've done, right? They do the they do the acquisition. Now they're going to become this new company, let's say, in 18 months. If you don't like it, you can get your money back. You can get, give me my, my $10 back for, per share I want out. This, <laughs> there ain't no time limit and you don't get your money back. So- we're like, yeah, you're not selling that. there's no way your guys are running around selling this thing. It's not gonna happen. Um, and then we find out that there's another company called e-waste. Now, granted, they are not connected. E waste and a company that doesn't even exist yet. Like this company, at least at least with the sandwich shop you have a deli. With e-waste, it's a plan that they're gonna they're gonna get into the waste management business.
0: Of course, yeah.
1: Now they better not get in the waste management business in South. South Jersey, because they, you know, they may have a, they may have to, yeah,
0: <laughs> take a trip to the Pine Lands real quick.
1: Yes that that uh, is not that is not a that is not a, uh, a market that you can break into if uh, if you don't uh, know certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll we'll leave it at that. <laughs> you, will <end> up, <laughs> you will end up in the Pine Barrens somewhere. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so, so these guys are all doing the same thing with his e waste company, and you look at e waste, and you look at the, the amount of shares out there in the value thing has a dollar a dollar value of eight dollars and fifty cents if you multiply it by the amount of shares out there lo and behold that thing's worth a hundred million dollars too same thing so i think we could say that we've we've hit the high of the bubble in this whole thing when you have a a failing i mean not even a good sandwich shop now again let me ref, let me qualify that with by saying that the sandwiches might be good but <laughs> they're not making any money because South Jersey Jersey, there's about a sandwich shop every, you know, every block right a deli or a sandwich shop or a diner so when these guys can say or you can look at that and go well based on that stock price this deli is worth two billion dollars
0: I mean this is just the definition of monkey business here. this is insane I mean how does this end is it all up to the SEC to just be like this is not legit at all
1: yeah I mean look what I thought, and this is before before we really started digging in, I was like, "Well, this is going to end really fast, right?" Because now that this when it hit that when it hit the Financial Times that mm. the endowment for Duke University, which is at least a billion, when the endowment for Vanderbilt University owns this, someone's getting fired. Whoever deals with Masso Capital, because Masso Capital invests money on behalf of Duke and Vanderbilt. Now, I have to imagine that somebody at these two endowments, whoever who. who make there's a lot of these endowments they don't manage the money themselves per se they find money managed they find they put it in private equity they put it they, they give it to guys like Massel capital and they're supposed to go around the world and find good inbe- investments for them get a good return especially when rates are so low and these guys got to generate you know they got to they generate future money to keep the university going Oh, Rutgers is involved in this too. By the way, um,
0: <laughs> well, they better be. It's in their backyard.
1: Rutgers, did. Yeah. Rutgers is a little different, but uh, but they're a little different than Duke and Vandy as far as how they got involved. But kind of the kind of the same. They, they're involved, but you got to imagine Duke and Vandy are not very happy that they're in the Financial Times looking like two putzes because they, you know, <laughs> they end up in this crazy, you know, owning a, a sandwich shop in South Jersey. So I was like, they're going to tell them to sell the stock. You know, because they, let's say they own about a million each, million dollars worth. So, when they say "get us out of this," well, there's no market for this thing. The second they go to try to sell the stock, there's no one's going to buy it, this whole thing's going to collapse. So, I think good reporting. And I don't know if Einhorn may have been the first guy to talk about this. I can't remember. Or oh, I saw it on Bloomberg like a week ago. But as soon as this came out and it became public, how could it not? It's just too funny not to become public. That's the end of the whole thing, right? Because now whoever's involved that isn't an insider stealing money is going to say, "Get me the fuck out of that stock."
0: Sure, yeah,
1: right. This is embarrassing. Get out. And you know what? They could, like the guys at Masso Capital could have pitched this to, exactly like I described it. It's a cheap way to launch a SPAC, and we're going to do this. We're going to take out the. We're going to get rid of the deli, we're gonna, and, and that'll. But this gets us on the net. We can then list ourselves on the Nasdaq and do this, and, and it'll be worth two billion dollars. That's probably what they what they sold them on. And the, somebody at these two funds, at these two endowments that manages the money or deals with the money managers said, okay, let's do that. Well, that person's probably going to be out of a job at both places. And this stock is getting sold. So I think it's a great, funny story. Um, I know Matt's going to be out with this thing um, at, on TK News by Matt Taibbi soon, probably today or tomorrow. This tells you that if there was ever a definition of a bubble, this is this is it.
0: Uh me thinks uh, tuition is a little bit too high if Rutgers and Duke can just throw money at something like this.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So
0: <laughs> definitely look forward to reading more on the Substack and uh, hearing more from you over there, too. Congrats on uh, getting the byline over there. It's a big deal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty, pretty excited. Uh, we'll, we'll hope that that between that and this podcast, I don't boil myself up in all my other businesses, but uh, that's it. A- <laughs> Hold on tight, buddy. Hold on tight. I may be relying on this after a, after a few story, <laughs> a few bylines. Um.
0: All right. Everybody out there, please tell a friend. Uh, we're going to start the monkey business show SPAC. Get in on the ground floor. Eric needs hey. to get bailed out. So does Richie. We got to pay a ransom. Let's go. <laughs> we
1: we're already on the phone with Massel Capital to raise that. <laughs> I mean, I would say, honestly, we're a better bet than, than, a, than a failing sandwich company. I would think so, yeah. I think so. Possible. We own breadcoin.
0: You better get on board soon. We jumped around, covered a lot of topics here. We just hope and pray that Richie's going to be okay.
1: Yeah, he's he's been in this situation before. He'll, he'll he'll get his way out of it. He'll talk and trade his way out of it.
0: <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you again next week on the Monkey Business Show.